Lovely to meet you, Jen. Thank you for joining us. And thank you, Isaiah, for setting this up as well. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me. So nice to see you. Likewise. Take another sip of coffee. Right and early in oh, the morning. Lovely. Coffee. <laughs> and I'm and I'm on to Pinot. Hey, there you go. <laughs> if you can't tell from the accent, he's calling out of Australia. So it's yes. kind of night. He's kind of mallowing down. It'd be it'd be kind of an, a functional alcoholic if he's drinking alcohol in the morning, right? Yeah, All medium. Right. I mean, I don't know how high functioning you're going to be if you're drinking that early in the morning. So thank you for joining us today at RHE Podcast. I'm joined with Harry Key. Is that your actual last name? Yes. That's a really cool last name. And Jen Furlong. And where are you calling out of? I am located in Richmond Hill, Georgia. So it's a small town right outside of the city of Savannah, Georgia. Any, mm -hmm. any relation to Edward? No, okay. <laughs> not that I know of. <laughs> okay, maybe you could be. All right, it could so, be. okay, so before we get started, uh, some of the stuff might be a little bit uh, controversial. So we wanted to get started with something a little bit light, more lightheaded, <laughs> lightheaded, lighthearted. Uh, we want to get started lightheaded. That may result in lightheadedness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we just want to start off with a friendly fire round where I'm, I'm asking you guys both some questions and just answer them as soon as possible. Okay. Don't oh, shoot. All right. Shoot off We're the hip. You ready? Like it's called friendly fire. Like we're just going to take shots at one another. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Here we go. First question is if you had to be stuck in any decade for the remain, remaining years of your life, what decade would it be? The 90s. 90s. There you go. She didn't, no hesitation. This one or a later one. I yeah. think life's getting, I think life's really good and getting better at a rapid pace. It would be this one or one like 10, 20, 30 years, 30, you know, yeah, 30 years from now. <laughs> In the future. See some cool okay. tech. As you I can see, I like positivity. my tech. I love that sense of hope. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm so confused that everybody's like, well, the way the world is nowadays, I'm like, isn't it pretty good? But anyway. All right, here we go. Here's another one. Who is your favorite 80s action movie star? Arnie. 80s action Arnold. movie star. Arnold. Governor. Arnold. Uh, Arnold. The, the governor of our lovely state, California. He was the former governor. And okay, here we go. Well, this might be a no-brainer for you, but tea or coffee? Coffee. 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 I'm going to go for tea for Harry, right? Because he's Aussie. Coffee. Easily coffee. All right. And what is an ideal date night for you? Um, an ideal date night for me yeah. is taking the boat out for a booze cruise. Wow. Um, and packing a little picnic and just kind of sitting on the water floating and having a nice glass of wine with, uh, you know, with my husband and just chilling. All right. All right. Yeah. And Harry? For me, it's easily going for a motorbike ride. Oh, nice. Like a sort of multi-day trip, bit of camping or something like that. Wow. That sounds amazing. All right. So is, is, before we start off, we would like to ask you a couple of questions, some general questions. Uh, first and foremost, can you tell us what you, uh, what you do and about your website and uh, anything like that that you want to tell us about your, your job and past? I, I'm in what I like to refer to as phase three of of my uh professional life mm -hmm. you know at going going back to 
graduating from high school, I joined the Marine Corps wow. right out of high school. And when I was a Marine, I was in public affairs. So mm. I uh, was a journalist and then I was an editor. I did community relations for a while. And that introduced me to the wider field of communication. And so when I got out of the Marine Corps, I was already at least one step ahead knowing exactly what I wanted to do. I mean, I fell in love with the field of communication. So I went and got a bachelor's and a master's degree in communication. And then that started sort of phase two of my mm -hmm. career path because um, I, I had a professor while I was in graduate school frantically um, looking for someone to cover a class mm -hmm. to teach a public speaking class. And he asked me if I would do it. And, um, you know, I was a broke graduate student. So mm -hmm. of course my first question is, are you going to pay me? And it's hmm. like, of course. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I had never taught a class before, never put a syllabus together, but I was like, I'm going to dive right in and do this. And I fell in love with the classroom. So out of the 30 years experience that I have in the communication field as a communication practitioner for 17 of those years, I taught at the college level. So I taught classes. Wow. Speaking, I taught um, basic human communication skills, business wow. communication, and intercultural communication. And um, I recently decided that it's time for phase three. So I started my own communication consulting firm, uh, and you know, thus hence the website. I got my business license, and wow. I decided to just uh, jump in again, you know, make this transition and uh, uh, kind of dive in and do this thing. And, yeah. and uh, so, yeah, that's where I am now. And Harry, um, would you mind giving me a little background as well? Sure. Um, so I came to end up doing a similar thing to Jen from a very different path. No military. I'm not tough. I, <laughs> I cry and apologize when other people, when, when other people hit me. So I definitely wouldn't have been cut out for being a Marine. My background is that I, um, I sort of did the standard, went to school, went to university thing. And then after university decided to travel to India and was um, traveling around India on a motorbike, loving it, and then ran out of money in Mumbai. And somebody said, do you want to be in a Bollywood film? And a little bit like you, Jen, I was like, what? are you going to pay me? And they were like, yep, sure. We'll pay you a thousand rupees, which um, I won't let you do the math. So you can like pretend that that's a large amount of money, <laughs> 60 bucks. It's like 20 bucks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was an extra in a film and thought, oh, this is really fun. And um, got kind of addicted to it. So I ended up becoming a Bollywood actor. So I did that then for what? five years um, where, yeah, I was playing a white guy. Um, as you can tell, I have the... Uh, required single attribute um and so yeah played a played a villain in uh, bollywood films then for the next like sort of yeah about five years um and started to become interested in how do people speak during that because i would most of the other bollywood actors are just sort of runaways you know they're, they're not I, i'd trained as an actor um but they were just sort of on the run from the law or a failed marriage or something and I would work with them on how they would deliver their lines. And I found mm -hmm. that I was quite good at that and it was really fulfilling and the changes would stick. You know, somebody would, somebody would develop a bit more confidence or, or a bit better way of projecting or enunciating. And then later you'd be hanging out with them going, I can see you're different now. You're not huge. It's not like you're changing somebody's life in a session, but um, they would be a bit different. And 
I, I just got addicted to that. And then I went and saw myself. Um, I was a lead role in a pretty big film and I was really bad. I was mm. it's just catastrophically bad as an actor and I just hadn't noticed it yet. I don't, I don't wow. know what had happened, but yeah, when I eventually saw myself on screen, I was like, I've got to do something different. So <laughs> went went to the UK and um, yeah, set up, set up myself as a company where I now work with uh, individuals within organisations um, very similar things. So it'll be public speaking skills, persuasion, coaching. Uh, I've written a book on the topic called speak for yourself. And, really? um, yeah. So that's, that's, that's clever how term. I got to where I'm at. Well, All I'm right. Australia, but yeah. That is so cool. And I wrote a note. Now I'm going to have to look up your, uh, film repertoire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe so we'll play a clip mixed. on here. So, yeah, absolutely, please. Yes. Speaking of clip, we're going to play a quick little clip of you. So, Harry, if you want to key that up. Yeah, yeah. All right. Certainly. Let's All right. That jam For your watching way. pleasure, I want to know what's going through your mind at this moment. Don't like, throw up. Don't, don't throw up. Don't throw I was going to say, don't start crying. <laughs> this is a. Uh, it sorry. It was actually a bit of a rough start because the day before during dress rehearsals they bust in a bunch of high school kids mm -hmm. so that we could practice our talk you know in, in front of these high school kids and it was great for us to be able to get up there and kind of work out you know what mm -hmm. we needed to work out and then it was great for the kids because they got to see kind of like the behind the scenes things that happened you know and um the kids were amazing i will tell you at the very beginning you know i started off with a question you know to the, about the golden rule you know who hasn't heard about the golden rule right and hmm. they were interacting and they were just so lively and fast forward to the next day when all of the adults come right to watch mm -hmm. the ted talk you start <laughs> off with a question and it was like pure silence like wow. nobody wanted to say and so that's i was like I think y'all are just as nervous as I am, you know, and I was the yeah. first presenter, which was another thing. Oh, that's, it's, oh, oh God, that's, that's horrible. A tough one too. And I wasn't prepared to be the first presenter. Um, the day before I, I was told I was going to wrap everything up. So I was supposed to be the yeah. last presenter of the day. The morning of the presentations, we all get there super early and somebody tells me, hey, did you check it out? They made some changes on the schedule. It's like no let me go look and it was like mm. oh yeah we decided to take you from last to first gen yeah. so uh get in the makeup get ready well, like, that, you, that know, should, okay. you should take credit from that though because usually i think anybody who's organizing an event and trying to figure out who to go first they're <laughs> quite often one of the things they're thinking aside from availability and you know if that person's not off the flight yet who do we put there but quite often i think the decision they make is who do i think is going to warm up the crowd for the next for, mm. for the other there people. you go you know what i was going to say is one okay it, that would be the most nerve-wracking definitely but at least you would get to say that i don't have to follow someone like just imagine if you follow like a dale carnegie or something you know and then like right. what do you what do you go <laughs> you're like yeah. uh you're gonna bomb no matter what you know right yeah yeah um, but, thanks but tony robbins for warming them up oh, for me. <laughs> right but this to me, I think, is a crucial thing, though, to think about with, with public speaking. And a lot of people have exactly that thought, Isaiah, which is like, oh, I'm going to look terrible if I go after that person. And 
I would think two things about that is like, one is don't set for yourself that expectation, even if it is true. And second Mm -hmm. is it's rarely true. People typically want to see you win. Like, unless you're getting up there and being like, why it's okay to punch your employees on Mondays or Mm -hmm. give some really terrible talk they're going to want to disagree with. Most of the time, people want you to nail it. Like they they want to be inspired. They're, They're really happy to see somebody succeed. And if you have in your head, oh, I'm not as good as the last person, I think you'd waste some of your brain's processing power bringing yourself down while you're trying to get out a message rather than going, oh, awesome. This person's lined up the crowd for me. What interesting anecdotes Uh, can I tell that will link uh, to what they're saying? How can I make this work better rather than how can I use this as an excuse to get nervous? Yeah, you know what? I I do want to say something about that and this will lead into the next question. But I remember maybe around... 20 years ago, I think I was mm-hmm. in high school, and I remember watching a like a, a like some kind of town hall or whatever of Bill Clinton, and that guy just walked in and he had a smile on his face, and it was like you could just you could feel from the screen you could see the presence of the place. It's just like mm-hmm. wow, people were just in awe of him. And my sister, she's actually quite a big politician uh, in California. She she made history for being the first Latina in the position that she was in, being a president of all the supervisors in California. But I went to go see her speak once and similar thing, because there's just all these different speakers, no one's really paying attention. And she came up to speak and everyone just went, you could just see the body language of everyone changed. Mm. So this is leading to this next question because obviously you can, you can manipulate people, okay? So I have a question. I have a question about whether or not persuasion is ethical, but really more what more in lines I'm speaking about is actual manipulation. So can you is answer that question? Is persuasion ethical slash or persuasion slash manipulation like ethical? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think there's a uh, there's a complete difference between persuasion and manipulation. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, if you get into the area of you have some type of a hidden agenda, mm-hmm. right? And you know that that quote that you're using against that person, you know, you're trying mm-hmm. to convince your audience of something, you know, you took that quote out of context mm-hmm. or, you know, that the, the statistics you're being, you know, unfair with the mm-hmm. statistics. So I think it, it, it all boils down to the place you're coming from and what is ultimately your goal, you absolutely can have a debate. You absolutely can uh, persuade others. You know, if you're having an argument, whether it's on a question of fact, like you're trying to argue that something is true or false, Mm. you know, or if you're you're trying to convince someone to agree with you on on your position of, Mm -hmm. you know, some topic Mm -hmm. in politics or or whether you want to try to um, create a call to action, you know, mm. um, it, you absolutely can do it in an ethical way. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just what what is that underlying goal? Do you truly want to um, win this argument because uh, you really do think that you're correct and you mm-hmm. understand that you have the examples and the facts and you know everything to back your claim up or do you know that your argument is crap? So you're going to try to pull in all these illogical, you know, arguments to try to just manipulate everyone right. to agree with you, despite the fact you know that you could 
potentially be wrong. Yeah. So, so let me let me clarify something. Two things that you're saying. One is that if you're doing to, okay, so be honest about. Let's see. So, so would you say that it's just being honest about intentions, and then yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Honesty, the, not having a hidden agenda. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah, in, anything you pull together, you know, you're you're pulling it together. Being mindful that you know you have an ethical responsibility to right. to your audience, you know right. whether it's an audience of one or you know a thousand, you, you really do have an ethical yeah. responsibility to that audience. Speaking of which, I want to ask one more question, then pass it over to Harry. Because uh, are you familiar with Jim Jones, yes. <laughs> the the guy who went down into French Guyana and killed a thousand people? A mm. thousand people committed suicide. Biggest mass suicide in recent history. Okay. Anyway, okay. he if you if you if you watch his his speaking videos, you'll just be like, man, I would follow that guy into the middle of the jungle, like, yeah, because seriously, just so persuasive, has so much charisma. Mm -hmm. So I guess the other part of that is is using using the persuasion to do some good, right? Because yes, that's actually separate from being honest, because you could be honest about trying to do bad things. Um, such as some politicians there, they have some very nefarious way of manipulating people. But uh, so I think that's a good, those are really good points right there. Uh, I want to pass it over to Harry. Yeah, I think it's, it's one of the challenges I think there is we all think we're doing good. Like <laughs> he killed himself too. Jim Jones was part mm -hmm. of the suicide pact, but he killed himself. Mm -hmm. And I think what can happen is we can be persuasive, particularly cult leaders like that. They call it this sort of, you get this Messiah complex and there is a, yeah. I forget, they call it the Messiah pathway or something like this, which is you get so used to people believing everything you say that the, that the sort of ultimate final step is to kill yourself. And so I think that some of the, I always think, I think persuasion is ethical. Absolutely. Um, obviously not manipulation, which is you're saying, Jen, if you're being dishonest about your motives or you're selectively mm -hmm. quoting things or deliberately dodging the point or something, but we, we know that. Um, uh, I don't mean, sorry, your point is, is not, um, is not valid when I say we know that. I mean, we know that within ourselves when we're doing it, we go like, mm, I'm being a bit dishonest here. And then the other fascination I have is exactly the same persuasion strategies we could use to bring somebody else over or indeed also manipulate somebody else. We use those on ourselves. So if you develop a, a, a skill with persuasion, you develop two things and ideally both in equal proportion. And that is one is an ability to convince somebody else, but another is to be vigilant and critical about the kind of thoughts you choose to believe you choose mm -hmm. to take on. Cause mm -hmm. you go, you can go, well, I know that if I talk to you about um, people of authority or people with um, stellar reputations who also agree with me on this point, then I know that's going to be persuasive to you. But at the same time, what that says to me is I could be fooled if you just said, hey, Harry, I know you quite admire Elon Musk and the stuff he does because he's a futurist and you're into that stuff. Therefore, I'm going to link it to that. So what it hints at is both how to persuade somebody else, but also how to not fall down a rabbit hole and go, oh, hang on, I'm, I'm deceiving myself now. And that's where I think the Jim Jones stuff comes in, which is we will fall for our own traps and we won't be aware that we're essentially wow. bullshitting ourselves. Mm -hmm. Oh, Excuse let's watch. Well, yeah, watch profanity, please. Yes, um, please. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I got another question. I got another question for you. Let me see what we've got on the list here, don't we? Yeah. Explain the All right, platinum here we go. rule. Explain the platinum the rule. The platinum rule. Well, you know, 
we all, I think at least the vast majority of us growing up, we probably at least one point in our lives heard the golden rule, right? I mean, everything from our parents to our teachers to, you know, the adults around us now treat others the way you want to be treated, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a really great rule to follow, especially, you know, when you're trying to teach little kids um, the importance of empathy, right? The importance of respect and boundaries. And and, um, it's a very simple way to be able to try to get, you know, that, that across. But when you transition to your more important relationships, you know, long-term important relationships. I'm sorry. Can you hear my dogs? They're That's fine. It's all right. <laughs> I like dogs. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love them until they just, you know, you, you know, what a strange. Well, anyway. <laughs> I, I live in South Korea, so I'm not going to say the joke, but kind of fill in the rest of the joke. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. But, with the platinum rule, basically it's taking the same concept, but you are um, tweaking it just a little bit. So instead of thinking about treating others the way you want to be treated, treating others the way they want to be treated. Mm -hmm. So, and this is very useful in your more important relationships because we all know everybody's not the same, you know? Mm. Um, So if, if you think about whether it's a relationship with a romantic partner or if it's with a coworker, you know, your best friend, likely there are going to be some things that are different. You know, you're not all going to have the same values, the same belief systems, the same likes, the same dislikes. So, Mm. you know, that's what the platinum rule, the premise behind the platinum rule is, is, is getting to really know that other person and then being respectful enough to treat them the way they want to be treated. So that's good. That's, that's really good. Okay. So I want to say a couple of things. The golden rule does definitely have some, some, some flaws in it. Uh, I believe it was Harry who talked about. Harry, was that you who talked about being in an elevator, and like maybe making a pass on a woman? Was that yes. you, Harry? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So if you yeah, got into an elevator, sort of, yeah, go on. And you made a pass on a woman. Maybe you would like someone who'd be more aggressive in that sense. And so that would be like a, a classic example where. You might want someone to come on to you, but that's not necessarily appropriate just to come on to someone like that, you know. So there's yeah. that one. Yeah, if I was sort of by myself and some and a, and a and a lady walked up to me and said, "Goodness, you look fantastic in those clothes. Can I buy you a drink?" I would be like, "What a convenient and thoughtful thing to do. Absolutely." <laughs> you know. Whereas if I was with my friends, I'd be a little bit like, oh, "It's kind of not the best time. I'm hanging out. Like I'm saying this while with my partners in the room. I'm I'm very happy with you. We're still. I just that was." for the sake of discussion um whereas flip that around and say there's a woman standing totally by herself and you come up and go geez those clothes fit you well can i buy you a drink she's going to feel threatened right same thing i think the conversation you know i i would add to that too because you know isaiah mentioned like at the beginning though in an elevator you know that's going to make a big difference as well you know you're a single you're a woman in an elevator by yourself and a man comes into the elevator and all of a sudden he's like coming on strong. That's a completely different context right there. And so yeah. now in my yeah. mind, you know, I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, so a couple of things. One is we got to take into consideration uh, context, as you said. Second mm. thing though, I mean, we could find holes in any realm of thinking, any religion and any, in any kind of in atheism, communism, fascism, uh, we can find pros and cons in anything, right? 
even in capitalism, but or democracy. But that being said, the platinum rule, I think you also have to understand that certain people want to be in abusive relationships. They want to be in codependent in to be in codependency. And so some people have low self-esteem. So you also have to take that into consideration that you can't just, you know, do something that maybe someone might want to do. And this can actually cause some ethical problems as far as like uh, uh, doctors and psychologists, because there are people who legitimately want to cut off their legs. You know, they, they want to harm themselves in that way. It's, it's a legitimate disorder called BIAD, Body Identity Integrity Disorder. So it's we have to take a couple other things into consideration. But um, yeah, would you have any additional thoughts on that? Well, you just reminded me of, you know, I mean, the, the, the argument of physician assisted suicide, you know, mm. I mean, you could even take it right one step further and, right, and make right. the argument that, you know, someone who is terminally ill, who, mm -hmm. you know, has decided that they want to choose the way in which they leave the world. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, it, you're right. You could pose an argument to support that and you mm -hmm. could pose an argument that's just as much of a legitimate argument, mm -hmm. you know, against that. So, I mean, that, I think that is the challenge and it kind of goes back to your original question of, of um, whether or not persuasion uh, is, is ethical, right. you know, the difference right, between right, persuasion right. and manipulation. Right. Mm. So, so Harry, I'm going to give you the next two questions to ask her and then I, actually, I would just like to take a step back because you, this you, this is more your guys' arena. So no, no, I, I think I think it's fine. I think no, please, on that please, on please. that platinum rule, I think it's really useful and interesting because it is quite often. This has probably been your experience as well, Jen. It's quite often like deeply revelatory, more so to senior people in organisations than than more sort of entry level or frontline or, or whatever whatever you want to say without being awkward about it but you know like the i've worked for a large um supermarket chain in fact tesco this is very similar i think or almost identical to one of their core core values treat other people the way they want to be treated and we were, i was doing training with them and you would have to remind people that you would say what what is the core what is one of the core values and they would say treat people the way you want to be treated and you have to say no no, no that's not it um, and it was interesting because it didn't, it wouldn't really change. I, well, it wouldn't change a bit the way um, people did their jobs on the front line, but it was huge for people more senior in the organization where, because quite often those senior types are quite like alpha type personalities. They prefer facts and figures. If you're saying something that is incorrect, they've only got three minutes. So they don't want to have a long conversation and get to the end of this whole, you know, monologue and then find out that the whole thing was irrelevant. And they'll be like, why didn't you just interrupt me and say, no, that's wrong. The, the figures came through from finance yesterday. And they're like, so that's what I do to other people. And it's like, well, that might be the way you want to be treated, but it's not the way they want to be treated. So I think it's a really useful thing to, to think about. I, I um, yeah, I really support it as an idea. I think the cases for that sort of, somebody wants to be treated poorly are rare enough and extreme enough that our that our sort of gut can take over from there yeah so that, yeah i agree with that and, and it's you know it goes into you know everyone has a different communication style as well wow. you know just like you said you use the example you know you might have um a, a chief executive officer you know and and they might be an action-oriented type of person. So mm. you know when you go in to make your presentation, 
start with the results first, right? Yes. Be brief, be accurate and get it done. You know, just mm -hmm. let them know what the end result is going to be and that you're going to be more successful if you adapt your communication style. But then you might come across someone else who usually these are the HR directors, right? They tend to be more <laughs> yes. people oriented. So yep. with that type of person, if you need to present, you know, a project or a proposal or something to them, you know, if they're people oriented, they're going to value the chit chat a little mm. more. So don't just immediately start with your proposal and, like you would with, you know, the, the action oriented person. You might want to set aside a, a minute or two for that chit chat, you know, the small talk, and then you can uh, gradually move over to your proposal, but then focusing on why this proposal is good for the people in the organization yes. you know, uh, versus specific end results with numbers. The, the people-oriented person is going to be more focused on the relationships and how it's going to impact relationships of all the stakeholders involved. So, mm -hmm. yeah, and, and that definitely is something that goes into the, the platinum rule is you really do have to be observant enough of others. You have mm -hmm. to kind of get rid of mm -hmm. people are naturally egocentric mm -hmm. creatures, right? Mm -hmm. We really yeah. are. I mean, we're constantly thinking of ourselves, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, all day long, what's in it for me, right? Mm -hmm. yep. um, but at the end of the day, if you do want to be a more effective communicator, you have to be aware of that other person and, right. and their likes right. and dislikes and their, their communication style and try to right. adapt your style to them if you want to be more effective. Yeah. And, and, and I got it perfectly gets onto this next question. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I, yeah. I'll let you get into the, ask the next question, but Dale Carnegie, which I would consider the, the Bible of persuasion, how to win friends and influence people. That's one of the key things that he talks about over and over about trying to understand the other person, which is empathy at the end of the day. Yeah. But I mean, probably he, some, some he, he, one line in there would sum up so much about like half of what you need to learn about persuasion is that he says mm -hmm. people are more interested in a boil on their neck than they are in a fa than a famine in Africa. And so when you understand mm -hmm. that how much people are driven by the uh, the ego mm -hmm. and it's not even entirely because everybody hates uh, someone who's like a selfish person or a, a conceited, you know, and totally interested in themselves. But the reality is that we're all like that, you know, we're, yeah. we're all like that. And so just truly understanding, trying to see things from other people's perspective, it, it just, he, it's probably, it gets, it gets honestly beyond redundant because he probably message, message mentions it like 20 times in that right. book. So it means, <laughs> well, because he understands how thick people can be. Sometimes yeah, repetition he can say helps. It 20 times before yeah. somebody gets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Harry? Yeah, this is already getting, I think we've already broached this topic. So some of what we're talking about in terms of what are the most effective ways to, to persuade people have been writing this while you've been talking, Isaiah, and some mm -hmm. of it is understand them. And I certainly think um, what we came up just off the back of talking about, was you were saying, Jen, is sort of, I would say, adjust your style, sort of get, get mm -hmm. good at leaning into a style that you're not used to. So yeah, if you're the chit chat let's talk about it you know it reminds me a bit of this um have you seen that discovery insights you know this um i don't really teach it but i think it's a useful model i think it's it's this sort of we've got these different um personality types based on whether we are introverted extroverted or thinking and feeling and so often people go well i'm my style so that's who i am and the focus, mm -hmm. at least whenever I have anything to do with it, is no, no, no. The skill here is about leaning into somebody else's style. So if you recognize you're really direct 
and you're results oriented, but you're talking to somebody who, who, as you were saying, wants to know what's what, how this is going to affect people and wants to sell it with a story or a bit of enthusiasm or something. So I think a lot of it is, yeah, change up that style. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you for that. Thank you. I really appreciate mm, that. What else? What are some, I like the, I want to lean the other way because um, as I started okay. mentioning before, I got interested in provocative. I was, I was always vaguely interested in coaching, but it wasn't until I came across this style of provocative. Essentially you can take the, you can get a lot of progress by taking the piss out of people. Yeah. You can sort of push them a little bit, prod them in a loving way, but a way that sort of shows shows a mirror to them. Um, but a lot of it I used to do um, when I would go to conferences with coaches, I would say, let's write a list of good coaching skills. Mm -hmm. And we'd write out that list on a, on a flip chart. And then I'd go, right, and I'd stick it to the wall. And I go, now describe for me the opposite of those behaviors, mm -hmm. which was like, listening is a good skill. Okay. So not listening. All right. So yeah, like <laughs> let them tell story. You tell stories to them. <laughs> Should the stories have a point? No, bad stories that have no point. Awesome. <laughs> Just ramble. And it, and so, and it would be quite interesting because I, I think you might find the same thing here. So what are some of the worst um, or least effective persuasion strategies, do we reckon? <laughs> least effective, uh, I guess, probably be as condescending as possible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> People one. love being belittled, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm having this one at the moment. I'm having a debate with some some people on on Facebook, which is my favorite thing to do, and definitely a worthwhile thing to spend your time doing. Right. Um, and one of their comments started with, um, "You are all less educated than me on this topic," and I was like, "That you know, I'm so glad you said that because one of the the red flag for me, whether you're in Facebook or this is said on Twitter a lot. In mm. Twitter, we could just have a, an entire day long conversation about Twitter mm -hmm. and what's mm -hmm. wrong with that. But um, educate yourself. Mm. That's just the quick way of telling someone how incredibly dumb you think they are. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a note. Educate yourself. It's yeah. like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yep. Definitely. Thank you. But I did, I did want to say, Isaiah, just to kind of piggyback on, you know, everything, the couple of other points that we've already made. Um, one of the things that I try to impress upon whether it's students, you know, in the classroom or if I'm, I'm going into an organization and doing some coaching is the number one thing I like people to remember is the message you send may not be the message that's received. Right, mm. right. And it really forces you to really think about, ah, I, I really do need to think about the impact of what mm. I'm about to say. And it's not, mm. you know, it, it's not, you know, can I say this? It's really, should I say this? And in what way should I say this? That it's going to be um, the most effective. You know, I need them to hear this message. Yeah. Mm. You know what, Jen? I don't think there's going to be any way we're going to be able to cover the the fullness of what everything I want to ask you. Oh, yeah. So we're probably going to have to do a round two. Because <laughs> this one, this part right I here is actually really important. Because this is what I've heard, Okay. I've heard actually 70% of what you say isn't even what verbally comes out of your mouth or isn't the actual words. It's a mm -hmm. combination of one tone, two uh, body language, and like, uh, and also including a facial uh, expression. So it's mm -hmm. like, so, so the tone, like um, there's, there's like this line, uh, if, if you watch Cobra Kai, but something that should be totally 
uh, like an Oculus. He has he he asks this guy. He says, uh, "Do we have a problem, boss?" And so it's like if you're asking your boss, you're like, "Hey, is there a problem, boss?" Uh, you know that would be like a perfectly legitimate. But he walks up to the guy and he's like, "Do we have a problem, boss?" So it's <laughs> like that's just like let's fight right now. So I I think so much people don't really get this about how just and some of it might even be subconscious, just just a a, a facial tick or maybe just the eyes, the may, the way you might put your eyes, but so much more than what you say is actually implicit in what you're saying. So like for me growing up, my parents would always tell me this because I would say something with a lot of attitude and I, it would be like virtually nothing, but they're like, it's not what you said, Isaiah, it's how you said it. And mm -hmm. I couldn't really, I couldn't really put two and two together as like a kid, what they were talking about, just with the attitude or just snarking, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. um, can you speak on that please? Well, I would say regarding the the research, right? This is debatable as well. You know, mm. I mean, you'll see, a, you'll hear a lot of coaches, a lot of professors, you know, in communication talk about, you know, anywhere from 60 to 90% of your communication, you know, or is, is nonverbal. And that in itself is debatable because I mean, yeah. there's so many different things you have to consider, you know, in that moment in time, the communication context, who is the speaker? Who is the listener? You know, mm -hmm. what channel of communication are you using to, mm -hmm. to you know, send that information? So, um, but it, it's that right there is a rabbit hole. We could definitely yes. go down, but let's just say a lot, a lot. Down let's, that let's rabbit hole. But we oh, do understand. Means, yeah. Yes, of course, nonverbals are important, and they absolutely do have an impact on the the meaning behind the message. You know, and, and mm. that does go back to. The message you send may not necessarily be the message that's received, but it's useful to try to anticipate how that person is going to decode that message. You know, mm. how, how are they going to take that message? Because, you know, you're right with your example, um, the inflection that you use on the particular word, of course, that's going to change the entire meaning of that right. sentence. You know, there's a difference between I didn't say you lost the fight versus I didn't say you lost the fight mm -hmm. or I yeah. didn't say you lost the fight, yeah. right? I didn't change not one word in that sentence, but you got three completely different messages, you know, behind that sentence, just based off of the inflection that I used on the particular word. So, um, you know, we do know that of course, nonverbals matter and it, it is helpful to be mindful of your nonverbals thinking about who it is that you're speaking to and, mm -hmm. you know, try to anticipate how might they interpret this message? You know, right. if, if I say it a certain way, or if I include a, a specific, a specific word, you know, um, but I would also make an argument. This would be the last thing I say, and, and cause I could talk about this all day, but mm -hmm. you know, some of that responsibility also lies on the person who is listening to you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can absolutely listen in the wrong way. I mean, mm -hmm, you could mm -hmm. you could have some defensive listening going on. So you are putting things into it that mm -hmm, aren't really mm -hmm, there. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think both the person who's speaking and the person who's listening, they have equal responsibility in the yeah. communication context. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have to think about, uh, am I reading into this or am I using the right listening for this moment in time? You know, should I be listening critically or should I be should I be listening um, with some empathy, keep my damn mouth shut, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, so that the person can just rant and just be there for them, you know, yeah. uh, two completely different, you know, outcomes, depending on how you decide to listen to that.
And right. I wanted to add something else to, to something you were saying that about the, the inflection, because I, I did um, a chunk of work on that and went on the news actually talking about, you know, the Australian questioning intonation, as it's called, where we go up at the end of a sentence and yes. it makes it sound like we're asking a question. Um, and some of what I think is interesting about it is, as you say, the intonation, the inflection will change the meaning of a sentence. I also think that it will have an interesting effect on ourselves. So there is this whole field of psychology or neuroscience called embodied cognition, which is this idea of if we hold ourselves in a certain way, um, the physicality, the, the messages go two ways is the, is the crux of what I'm saying. When we send a message out into the world, it is hitting somebody else's ears and, and you know, their eyes and everything and affecting who they are and how they are and how they're receiving the message. But also if we say that in a more confident way with a downward inflection, it's more likely that they hear it and they go, oh, wow, that's an impactful message. And then that goes back to us. We go, wow, it does. It feels different if I use that part of my body to speak. So I think it's, it could be an interesting thing to think about. This isn't just influencing somebody else, but moment by moment when I choose to you know, speak up in a meeting, particularly, you know, I'll jump on people it's when I particularly use provocative, when people go, um, this is probably really stupid, but, and I'm like, what a way to start a message. Like, <laughs> then don't just, say it. <laughs> just don't say it or just cut it and then say it again later, but go, I've got a really good idea. Say exactly the same thing, but back yourself a little bit. And it will sound different, not just to us in the room, but you'll hear yourself speak like that and go, oh, wow, that feels different. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that because I would always tease my students whenever, you know, somebody would come up to me and say, I have a really dumb question. And I would respond with, those are my favorite. <laughs> you know? Oh, goody. <laughs> what do you have? <laughs> but that's a really important point, Harry. You know, the, we call that the sing songy voice, you know, at mm. the end and the research shows that a lot of women have this problem. And, you know, so if you kind of take it out it, of the Australian yeah, context, you know, it, it, <laughs> you like said the, it, you said it, you know, put, put a U.S. context to it, you know, yeah, it, yeah. It, it does show that women here tend to use that more sing-songy thing. So at the end, I'm going to sound like I have a question and it does take the authority out of the voice. So that is one Definitely. of the things that we do talk about in coaching. You're exactly right is make a statement. I've all, yeah, Not a question. yeah. I've, and I've always also wondered if it, um, because that the research, yeah, shows women um, have that upward questioning intonation more and that they are interrupted more. Now, I think there's a lot that goes <laughs> into men interrupting women, but I wonder if that's some of it, because some of that upward questioning intonation does sound like a question, but it also starts to make it seem like a list. Like I've got this thing to say, and I'm also going to say this other thing. You can tell I'm not finished yet. You can tell that I'm finished now. And because it feels like a list, less than a story, less so than a story, I feel like going, bang, I want to talk to you about that thing. So I'm just going to cut you off and go, hey, on that, on point number two. Whereas if somebody says, ah, let me tell you about what happened last quarter, da, 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 and it becomes a story, I go, well, I'm going to sit here and wait. And if I've got a question, I'll get to the end of the story and still be able to go back to it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what I would like to talk about next time that, that we have a conversation would be about one intersex um intersex communication one and then intercultural. You mean like talking to people who are intersex i'm mean, like how do i find out <laughs> excuse me what have you got going on downstairs oh, before God. we communicate any further do or, what do you go by him her they them or or also intercultural uh, intercultural yeah. communication because i i i live in south korea so i run into this issue a lot but there is one other big question and uh, hopefully we could spend a little bit more time with this. 
But okay, so here's a question. I, I do want to preface this a little bit because so the question is, how can we be more aware of the lack of nuances while, uh, while using nonverbal correspondence such as SNS or perhaps with text messages? Like uh, just like actually just about a month ago, I was actually scheduled to do a kind of like a debate with a guy online. And, mm -hmm. and I literally like logged onto my, onto my computer and I saw the, this, this screen coming up that like, we're going live in five minutes. And I was like, what the heck? And I went and I read my emails and I realized that, uh, I realized that I had misread some, some of the things that he said. And, and that's happened to me. I've sent messages and someone's like, yeah, I'm here waiting for you. And I'm like, where the heck did you get that out of my text message? And so it's mm. happened so many times, like it, it's, it's honestly quite scary or that you can miscommunicate so much whenever you're not listening to someone, you're not hearing their, their body language. And so, so that, and then also just because whenever you're communicating online, as you said, you're, you don't have to see the person. So you can say something that you likely wouldn't say mm. had they been right in front of you. So could you just speak to that about, uh, you know some of sorry no please some please. of my thought on that is it's about flow it's about being like present so mm -hmm. most of the time because that happens to me all the time i've got mm -hmm. to admit it and it is particularly because in this modern world where i've got screens all around me and my phone can go off and all of these things that i just i'll carelessly send a message or carelessly mm -hmm. um, speak mm -hmm. to somebody and because i'm not devoting enough of my RAM, if you will, my sort of my processing power of my brain to going, hang on, hang on, who is this? What's up? What's the context of this conversation? What was the last thing we said mm -hmm, to one another? Mm -hmm. And I don't mean li literally going through that list, but the moment you look at somebody and devote your attention to them, or just as you're sending that text really go, okay, what am I trying to communicate here? Those are the messages mm -hmm, I send well. Mm -hmm. The best thing, the thing I notice is of the ones where I go, oh, how do we get that one stuffed up? I'm just in the middle of doing something else. And I go, yep, sure. See you at four. And then I'm like, hang on my four or your four. four oh, right, day. right, right, right. Or did I, right. you know, I, and I think those ones right. are much easier to come back from, but the ones that, that bother me are more the emotional ones where mm -hmm. I said something and it, and it was meant to be flippant and funny. And it ended right, up right, right. And it's because I was like, ah, and then just like, hang on, hang on, hang on. Maybe move that comma. I'll suddenly right, it's clear right, that it's a joke. Right. <laughs> And, you know, it really, you have to think in terms of the communication context. When you're thinking about using technology to communicate, what exactly is the message that you're trying to send? And mm. then why are you trying to send that message? You know, there's a big difference, you know, let's say in an organization, you have someone new who's joined the organization and they need to be trained up on something, right? Mm -hmm. You want them to not only learn the technical stuff, but you want them to become a, a part of the culture, right? You mm. want to be able to kind of get them to feel comfortable and allow them the ability to ask questions and, you know, interact with others. You can't do that through text messaging, you know, you, mm -hmm. you can't do that through an email. So you have to think about, you know, how important is this message and what is it that I'm trying to gain out of this? So mm. if, if, if it, if someone is emotional, you know, texting is not going to take care of that. Mm. An email is not going to take care of that. Mm -hmm. That's going to require at best, if you're using technology, something like this, 
mm. you know, like mm, it's mm -hmm. that way you can have that flow, that back and forth, that conversation, you know, that is needed, mm -hmm. you know, for something like that. But if you're just trying to update someone on something, you know, yeah, absolutely. A quick text or a quick email and, you know, it's in bullet form. So it's very easy. Right, I mean, right, right. A lot, you know, Harry, we have these these mental tabs that are all open, right? Yep. So our CPU, you said it mm -hmm. <laughs> the best. Yeah, I mean, don't have enough RAM to compute this because we have all these tabs open. Yeah. So like for you, Isaiah, with that email, you know, if, if I wanted to make sure that everybody understood exactly what it was, I'm going to give you this update and here's what we have all agreed on, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. Any mm. questions? There you, you know, go, there you go. It. Yeah, so there's a difference between the need to have a conversation and to allow others to ask questions and to, you know, learn and, and if there's emotions involved versus here's an update. This is what we've decided and this is what everybody agreed on. You know, here's what you need to know about it. You know, and I think people forget that we get them confused all the time. Hmm. Um, Jennifer, any chance you've ever seen the movie uh, Flipped? I don't think so. Or read the mm -hmm. book Flipped? So it's, it's kind of like a coming of age, kind of like teeny bopping drama. And we actually just interviewed um, the author. It got made into a movie by Rob Reiner, actually, kind of a big oh, guy. Okay. And yeah, she just came on. But that was one of the last things that she said about taking time to try to think about how your words could possibly be misconstrued, or intentional or otherwise, you know? And mm -hmm. so before you send a message to try to think, how do you think this person is going to receive this? Because mm -hmm. I've had situations where like, okay, I'm going to send this mail email and I'm going to give them a piece of their mind, my mind. And then they're going to get it and be like, oh man, I was wrong this whole time. I say, I'm so sorry. This is the way I'm imagining it going yeah, down. Isn't, isn't, and then, isn't it weird how that never works? And then, <laughs> and, and, then, and then I just never hear from them again, you know? So I'm like, yeah. wow, I guess I should have just, I guess I should have just said, uh, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take what you said to heart and, and really listen to what you said and try to validate you as much as I can. But yeah, I would I, I just highly recommend that book. The reason why she came on to talk about that book is because the whole story is about trying to see things from other people's perspectives. So for example, there is like a little love story, but it's showing two different stories. Like the boy tells a story and then the girl tells a story. And then you'll just pick up on little nuances that you didn't get the first time around, right? So she, she did it. She explained the reason why she wrote this story about empathy and about nuances and trying to understand from the other person's perspective is because she said, if I write it in this cute little story from kids, it's gonna be non-threatening to people. But she says, what, what, what my goal is, is for people to take the lessons that you've learned and project them not only into the protagonist's life, because it's like, it abruptly ends and there's, there's not really any strong conclusion. I don't wanna give away any spoilers, but she also says that she also wants the, the watcher, the listener or the reader to project those values into our lives. And I, th I think it's just so powerful that uh, it's just such a part you got it you got to watch the episode where we interview her but uh harry you got any last thoughts we're coming to the top of the hour um uh, at a loss for last thoughts no it's been a lovely chat i think it's been very interesting and it's yeah it's it's that challenge the only thing i was thinking was about trying to be mindful of the message as it lands but then at the same time 
get on with it because I also know there's like at the, on the mm. one hand people that are just thoughtless mm -hmm. and, and send off a message and then at the other hand I know that I'll sometimes work with people who go right I'm on day four of crafting this email to the to the director <laughs> and you're like you think they wouldn't have just preferred a less perfect email four days ago um so yeah something about like just do it as well mm -hmm. just do it yeah. like you're better off making the mistake than not having done something. Same thing about speaking up in a meeting or something like that. You're better off speaking up, feeling like you're. It's a bit. You said something a bit silly, or you didn't word it as well as you'd like, than staying silent and kicking yourself for the inaction later. Yeah, uh, I just to piggyback off of that. Um, it, it's such an excellent point because that's the other side of the communication. Uh, challenges that we face that I don't think we we were even able to get to this time maybe in round two but sure that sure. you can you you can uh censor yourself to the point that you lose your your authenticity you lose your ability to to connect with someone mm -hmm, because mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. you're you're not able to be truthful you know in that moment because you're so afraid of saying something wrong or hurting right, their feelings right, right, or being right. offensive, which it's important. Absolutely. You know, I've said it a hundred times, you know, if not a thousand times, be mindful of the message you send, because it may not be the message that's received, but then right. at the same token, don't limit yourself to the point where you feel like you can't say what you really think about, you know, a, a certain yeah. topic or situation, because then we have the opposite problem. So that's such an important point. Yeah. to remember jennifer there's so many more questions i have for you <laughs> but if we were to talk for like two or three hours it'd be a little bit overwhelming so i think breaking it yeah. up into some smaller parts <laughs> is actually really great so i know you said you drink coffee so we like to send you out a starbucks card that's what we do for our guests here and i got one last question for you though all right so harry is from australia he said if he had the option actually i can't even remember at this point did you did you want the koala as a pet or the kangaroo kangaroo i had a kangaroo pet as a kid oh he did he did <laughs> yeah my dad rescued one I, I don't know what happened to its mum, but we had a pet kangaroo so cute. that's yeah. that's so funny because you know he's australian so i was just kind of like trolling him you know what trolling <laughs> right is? and he's like no i actually had a kangaroo and i'm yeah, like we well. called it Qantas. okay harry, harry is the stereotype of <laughs> pretty much <laughs> <laughs> so i'm not so, even embarrassed about it right but, so you have to have a pet. You can't get out of this one. You're going to choose a koala or a kangaroo. For me, yeah. koala. Absolutely. Koala. You're cute and cuddly. Kangaroo is just going to want to box you around all day. Right. <laughs> That's not <What>? fun. Those, <laughs> does happen. those koalas have some sharp claws, though. Yeah, don't yeah. get a boy. Yeah. Don't get a boy. Boy, that being are said, dangerous. Yeah, that being said, we really want to thank you for your time. I really hope that someone listening to this just really takes what you're what you said to heart. Uh, we got to do some follow ups, and I I have in the past posted some links in the description box, and I'm going to do that again this time because I have put like the notes to winning friends and how to win friends and influence people, some other books by some other uh, speakers. I put some PDF files and some some stuff that I've paid and I put together so. If you know someone who would like a little help in this area, we're making those resources available because I have put them all together in a drive. And so, yeah. And, uh, you know, if you have any questions in the future, you can send us an email, uh, look us up on our website, www.rgpodcast.com. 
let us know what you thought about this video. And if you have any other topics you'd like to see us discuss or you'd like to come in as a guest, send us an email at ritpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out at Spotify, uh, virtually name it YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And yeah, we want to thank you again. And we look forward to seeing you back again. Goodbye.